Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Happy 4th of July to you. Jason Kong here with uh, Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, happy 4th of July, and we're here a little bit early. It's- I know. It's feel, it feels different, but it, uh, but it does feel good. I'm excited about our new time, so this will be great. Yes. Uh, if folks who are, are not used to hearing us at this time, we hope you'll enjoy the show and uh, get used to us being on at 4 o'clock on Saturdays instead of our usual 7 o'clock time. But uh, no, this is wonderful, Nicole. Uh, any any updates from the garden? Well, you know, I do have some updates. I, I well, I'll say I planted some new tomatoes this year. I grew them from seed, and I kind of forgot that I did a couple of boutique varieties. And I kept looking at my plants, saying, "There's something wrong with these tomatoes. I'm not not sure that they they were sort of brownish with green streaks." And then I realized I had planted what's called a chocolate sprinkled tomato, and I'd been letting them sit on the vine thinking maybe they were rotten or had gotten waterlogged. Uh, no. And and then yesterday, one of my children decided just to eat one, and they're like, oh, these are delicious. And I was like, that's not rotten. What are you doing? Don't eat that rotten tomato. But <laughs> So then I picked a whole basket full of delicious chocolate sprinkled tomatoes. Well, you know, uh, it's nice when you get little surprises like that that <laughs> you meant to plan and you tend to forget about. I, I guess. I there don't you know. go. I, I, I nice just, surprise there. I was, yeah. I don't know where my head was, but I did not remember even doing that piece of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get down to business for today's show. Uh, we've got a couple of guests lined up for today, but first, it's a return guest. We've had him on the show quite a few times. He's one of our show favorites. We have Anzor Gacchechilatse. He's the owner and director and president of HomeWatch Caregivers. Anzor, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me, and thank you for pronouncing my last name so well. Uh-huh. I'm not used to that. I've trained him well, Anzor. <laughs> Nicole, is the only, yeah, Nicole is the only one who does that. There, there's a, a shock uh, device on my chair. If I don't get it right, Anzor, she, she'll shock me. That's right. I said, you cannot mess him up. <laughs> He's a good friend. Yeah, well, thank you. So excited. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show today. And um, I, I think that you definitely have some intimate knowledge based off of all of the years that you have been providing in-home care as one of the largest home care providers in our area related to caregiving during and then after the pandemic. And we haven't quite seen the after part, but, um, you know, I, I'm sure your business has greatly changed. And I know that there's still a lot of reservation out there that family caregivers had, specifically the ones that we work with at Transitions Guiding Lights, about, you know, the, the scary unknown of bringing somebody from the outside in for, in the community. And, and you know, is, is that going to put my loved one more at risk? But on the flip side, the families are so exhausted from this the day in and day out of caregiving during this time. Um, they're, they're really sort of at a point where they need the help, but they're scared. Right. So, um, yes, uh, this is a very uncertain times, of course, right? I don't know how many times I've said this, and we all have, uh, you know, have been saying this. This is a very uh, unprecedented times. This is very 
um, the kind of time that you don't know, you, you know, a lot of times I've caught myself, you know, like, as you said, I've been doing this for 17 years. And, you know, you think you learn a thing or two about home care, right, <laughs> in 17 years. But I, I sort of found myself in, you know, wondering in the last few months, you know, is this the right decision or not? I, I question myself. I, you know, we sit down and we talk about this, you know, as, as a team. Because there are so many new things, so many different things, you know, you don't know if it's, uh, we're sort of, you know, in very uncharted territory here. So, and like you said, yes, you know, families have reservations. They they have uh, anxiety. We care for people in their 80s and 90s. Uh, we have 106-year-old lady that we care for. You know, it's a responsibility. She made it through 106 years okay, and all of a sudden, you know, I don't want to be the one introducing a virus to her through my caregiver. So there are so many, so many different things that we have to consider, we have to change, of course, in all these protocols that we have to change and uh, how we approach care and what we do when we are there. And of course, PPs and lack of PPs at the beginning in March and, and April, we really, really struggled with lack of PPEs. Uh, you know, it was just, um, yeah, so it was, it was difficult, difficult and different times. But, you know, I, I believe we will get through this. I believe we will, um, you know, so far, knock on wood, we've been uh, lucky and, uh, well, smart, I have to say, that we haven't had any, any cases, uh, amongst our caregivers. We have about 180 caregivers that we employ and we care for about 150, 160 clients on a daily basis around the clock. So, and, uh, you know, we've been lucky that we, we have not had any cases. So from that standpoint, we are fine. So if I was a family caregiver and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of at the point because, you know, a lot of the long-term care communities, uh, sometimes families would lean on them if they wanted to take a vacation to place a loved one in respite. And most are not taking respite cases now because they don't want to dare introduce a chance of bringing in the virus into the long-term care communities. So some families who mm-hmm. are even used to rely on that or, you know, even a number of the area adult daycare programs are canceled and some families relied on that. What are some right. things that families who would have otherwise not even considered in-home care, what are some things that they need to be thinking about and asking agencies um, before inviting a home care provider into their home, especially during the time right now of the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, the first, of course, is, uh, and I have to say this, uh, it really adversely affected um, nursing homes, assisted livings, and places where, where uh, elderly people congregate, right? So, you know, I hear this every, every day. I don't want to go to, to a nursing home, and I don't want to go to, to assisted living. First of all, they are all shut down pretty much, and they're just now starting to accept new new residents. But people are afraid to uh, to go to, to facilities because that's where, you know, as, as you know, that's where almost half of uh, cases um, are um, so you know it's 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 really hard for me to uh, you know it, it's hard to, to to tell someone when you have someone on the phone and they are asking about you know how are you guys how are you guys going to provide safety for for my mom if she you know if your caregiver comes in how do we know that your caregiver is is safe and, and covid free excuse me, how do you, so, you know, all those questions, and, you know, a lot of times, 
I can't give them a you know definite answer because uh, I was talking to someone a couple of days ago and I said, yes, we tested this caregiver uh, four days ago, right? So she should be okay. Well, is she? <laughs> because four days four days ago she was fine, but maybe day after she got tested, she picked up something. So I can't really you know sit here and say, oh yeah, sure, no problem. She's 100% COVID free. Uh, what we can do, though, is we assure that we use all the PPEs and we use, uh, you know, if uh, if the client just came from the hospital, for example, we have gowns, we have masks, we have uh, face shields, gloves, of course. Uh, we try to you know, provide personal care if we provide personal care and then just, you know, keep distance from uh, from the patient, from the client as much as possible. Uh, change change frequently. Sometimes we have uh, some of the caregivers have clients, two clients a day. They go from one client to another, and we ask them to actually go home and change clothes before they go to to their second client. So we do everything we can, um, you know. But it's still still very very hard, especially now when uh, people are allowed to go to places, go go to uh, you know grocery stores and shopping and and restaurants. Uh, very hard to. Uh, to say that, yeah, that's not a problem. My caregiver is 100% COVID-free. Yeah, they have, you know, sometimes they have two jobs that they work for, for a facility, and they they work for us. So, yeah, there's just, you know, there's only just so much control that we have with this, and so some of this really turns out to be just the calculated mm-hmm. risk that the family needs to take. And you know, some of the things exactly. I think that people need to be looking at is, is in the risk-benefit analysis. Is it, you know more unsafe right. for the person to be without additional care versus the risk of, you know, introducing COVID-19 to the home. But, you know, definitely I think right. folks should be talking to their home care providers and, and really making sure and finding out, especially, you know, what we're doing with the PPE, because we do know that wearing a mask, number one, really reduces the chance of transmission of the COVID-19 virus exponentially. And so that right, right. there. And that's a very simple solution, right? Yep. I mean, you you wear a mask. That's really not a, not a rocket science. Right? <laughs> and you're a rocket scientist, I think I remember. Yeah. So there we go. So you can say that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but... I would know, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, you know, that's that's a very simple, very very good point. You know, if every everyone wears masks and everyone everyone sort of uh, you know distance themselves from from others, I think we'll be in a lot better place and a lot you know this thing will go away a lot faster. But one thing, one point I wanted to make is that if anything, this pandemic underlined um, importance of people staying at home. Uh, you know, if you if you think about it, just you know mathematically. Staying in a place where there are 120 other, uh, you know, people staying plus plus staff is one thing. Staying at home when you're by yourself and maybe with your spouse, and so and one person comes care to care for you, is a completely different thing, right? So staying at home a lot safer. People are finding that it's a lot safer, and you know, all it is now is for us to figure out how we. Uh, how we're going to pay for this. Uh, and and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe this pandemic or after this pandemic, Medicare will finally wake up and and, <laughs> and figure out the ways of, uh, you know, paying for in-home care rather than paying for uh, institutional care, which can be a lot cheaper to, to care for someone at home rather than care for someone in the institution and then treating them 
uh, you know, treating all these diseases that people pick up when they are, you know, you and I both know it happens almost every year. Almost every facility has some kind of a CDF going on or sometimes some kind of infection going on. Something is always there, and then we have to treat these people. And as you know, treating someone is a lot more expensive than preventing. Yeah, it's uh, a matter of mathematics and cost analysis, but absolutely, that would be a step in the right direction and a tremendous benefit that I think would benefit a lot of people. We've got Anzor Gacchichilatse on the line. He is the owner, director, and president of HomeWatch Caregivers, and we will continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680. WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett at our new time, 4 o'clock on Saturdays. Thank you so much for everyone joining us and listening right now and hope you're enjoying your 4th of July. We've got Anzor Gachechilatse on the line. He is the owner, director, and president of Home Watch Caregivers, and we're talking all about how the pandemic has impacted caregiving and uh, how it will change things in the future, Nicole. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that we had going on already prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, and I think it's certainly been underscored, bold, italicized since then, is the shortage we have in direct care workers. And and to be frank, you know, Transitions Guiding Lights is actually a um, educator and trainer and proprietary school for folks who want to become NA1s. And right now, we can't even run a class. We're not allowed to. So... Uh, Amzor, how how how's this sort of impacting you know your work and and you know what you're trying to do to support the people in the community right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that this is the the most challenging time in uh, you know me being in this business for you know 17 years. As I said, I've been in this business and I've never experienced a shortage of caregivers. We've had times when uh, you know we've had shortages, but this is this is unprecedented. It's not you know people. And I hate to say this, but you know, government in their in their way of uh, sort of helping people and doing unemployment for them, sort of enables some people to just stay home and receive unemployment instead of coming and working for us. I've had several people saying, "Well, you know, you can't pay me enough uh, as much as government does, so you know, why should I come and, and work when I can just stay at home?" That's one thing. Another thing is that some people are just really scared. They they are come from a compromise. Even our caregivers, they don't want to, uh, you know, risk their their lives and lives of their um, their families. So, you know, it's a constant constant challenge, constant struggle. Um, some people I've heard, um, you know, on my uh, interviews with uh, with clients, I, I've heard people say, well, should I maybe go in and hire? Uh, private caregiver, and I and I always say, you know, my <laughs> my uh, you know my approach to this, I, I tell people, yes, of course you can, and uh, you know you you can save few few bucks, but then you you know you are opening yourself up and and your loved one to to risk of first of all, uh, you know now nowadays you know contracting the disease. You don't know where these people have been. You don't know their track record. You don't know if they even have PPEs or have worn PPEs. 
I've got, I had people come to my, to interviews and, and they said, I left my company because they would not provide gloves and masks to us. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is just, you know, to me, it just blows my mind that there are companies out there, not just private caregivers, but the companies, home care companies that would not provide masks and gloves to their, to their employees. So, you know, think about the private caregivers. There was time when I, I told you I couldn't buy a mask. Right. You know, people were asking for, for, you know, 2,000 mask orders minimum. How can private caregiver get the mask? So, you know, it's always, uh, you know, it's, it's always a risk. Plus, you know, taxes, of course. You know, these people don't pay taxes, so you have to pay taxes on, on the caregiver that you hire because you are their employer. Uh, you know, workers come. They don't have workers come. So, you know, if something happens, something happens mm-hmm. you have to exactly, you have to pay their their medical bill. Uh, I had someone last year, $94,000 uh, workers come claim. She, you know, she hurt her back. I mean, that's, uh, that's a real story. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you are an employer, you will be um, you know, you'll be liable for this. For the, the, the saying is penny wise, pound foolish at times. And, and, and exactly. the, the other P and I can certainly understand, you know, the, the, the hard part with just being able to, you know, afford this care, because again, there really is not a lot of reimbursement that's out there unless you have mm-hmm. long-term care insurance or, um, you know, veterans benefits perhaps or Medicaid provides for some of this but for the most for most people this is a private pay scenario so I can certainly understand the rub with you know really right. desperately needing the care and not having the money to pay for the care and I, I certainly feel for for families that are that find themselves in this pickle but um, you know right. a, a lot of the other parts about this you know have or have to do you know what happens if you have a complaint where, where do you go what do you do what happens if somebody doesn't show up where do you go? What do you do? Yeah, if you don't have a backup. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, and for some of these families who are long-distance caregivers and they're trying to put care into a loved one's home, especially, my goodness, if the person has cognitive impairment, you know, you're, obviously they're not going to be the most accurate historian as to what's going on in the home. And, and exactly. you start to hear things, it's, you know, it's definitely an unwieldy feeling of not being able to actually understand really what's going on behind the doors of your loved one. So, Definitely, you know, I would highly recommend that family caregivers look towards actually licensed agencies for all of the reasons that we just discussed, because it can be the wild, wild west out there. And it can be um, even with sometimes, you know, licensed agencies, you know, not every agency is exactly the same. And so really, you know, we talked a little bit about the vetting that you should do around COVID-19. But what are some of the other things, you know, as families are um, interviewing? potential home care providers for their loved ones. What are some other things that families should ask? Um, my opinion is training should be one thing, but what are some other things that you feel families really need to understand before they actually choose the, the agency for them? Right. So training is, is very important. Uh, you know, people need to be trained. People need to be skilled to provide certain type of care. Um, you know, we do trainings, for example, every month we have at least three or four different um, different trainings on on same topics and 12 different topics a year you know you you don't get that when when you're a private caregiver Uh, supervision very very important right my nurses are busy every day even even you know during this pandemic when we are not you know when we 
can go to people's homes very easily. They are busy supervising our caregivers. Something's always going on. And if you don't have a supervision, it's just a wild west, like you said. So um, uh, the nurse, nurse supervision is, is very, very important. And of course, uh, you know, when, when you're hiring uh, an agency, you want to know what kind of a backup they, they have. Uh, you know, that's why people hire agency because if something happens to a caregiver and it seems to happen all the time, you know, we have lives, we have, uh, you know, cars that break down and we have, uh, illnesses and our, our kids pick up, uh, virus at school. So, you know, all that happens. And when your caregiver calls out, then what do you do? So, you know, agency must be able to provide a backup caregiver, must be able to, have someone you know, they can call on a short notice and uh, and send a substitute. So that's very very important. That's how we provide reliability and and continuity of care. So those are all <clears throat> very important important things to ask. Uh, you know how long agencies been in business? How many caregivers they employ? There are agencies out there that have uh, eleven caregivers, for example. Well, it's it's hard to run a business with eleven caregivers. Right, so more caregivers you have, uh, you know, you have a pool of caregivers. And in this shortage, to today during this shortage, we've actually teamed up with uh, with the two or three other home care agencies. So when we have a client and we can't staff all of the hours, mm-hmm. we uh, we team up with other agencies, and we you know I call right at home. I call I call agents and I ask them to. Uh, to help staff cases uh, with us. So that's the way, you know, it's uh, the landscape of caregiving is changing. You know, we, we have to, we are all in this boat all you know, together. We are not competitors anymore. Um, you know, decent home care agencies mm-hmm. understand that and they understand, you know, the severity of the situation and, and everybody's very nice about it and we are trying to steal caregivers <laughs> from yeah. each other. We're just trying to help folks as much as we can. So, Ansar, just one more quick question before we wrap up here. I'm just yep. wondering, you know, I know a lot of people, especially in healthcare, are getting really, really tired right now. This has been a long road, and it's we don't really see the light at the end just yet. What's keeping you going day in and day out? Well, the fact that people need help, Nicole. I mean, this is this is not stopping anytime soon, and we've got to figure out how to safely care for people. And that's what I, you know, I sit there in my office, you know, during the day, and I come home and I think about it at night. Uh-huh. <laughs> how can we safely provide provide care for these folks? And that's uh, you know, that's my job. That's my. You know, that's what I chose to do, and that's what I, I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that people people are safe under under my watch, and that's, you know, that's all I can do. Anzer, we are short on time. Uh, I want to thank you so much for sharing your unique perspective with us. If folks want to find more information about you and HomeWatch Caregivers, is HomeWatchCaregivers.com the best place to go? That is the best place to go, yes, sir. Excellent. HomeWatchCaregivers.com. He is Anzor Gachichilatse, the owner, director, and president of HomeWatch Caregivers. Again, Anzor, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you, sir. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. And uh, we're at a new time here, 4 o'clock now on Saturdays. And happy 4th of July to you as well. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Nicole, I'm, I'm liking this four o'clock start time it's, yeah, it's growing up it's kind of feeling kind of good and i get to go home and still make dinner that's right yeah <laughs> you don't have to make a pizza run or anything like that you're, you're good to go well nicole we've got a, a new guest here on the line and that is howie sharif he is the uh, executive director of you call this yoga he's been on with us before and we're going to be talking about uh some different ways to uh maybe accommodate ourselves during uh the quarantine and COVID-19 pandemic. Howie, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Uh, Now more than ever, healthy healing practices are essential. Agreed, agreed. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah, of course. Glad to share it with you. Yeah, and I think, you know, folks who are sort of staying at home and especially our most vulnerable populations, our especially vulnerable populations, the older adults, are, you know, looking for ways to maintain health. You know, I think in the first month or two, we were all kind of like, well, you know, we'll binge watch Netflix and Hulu and we'll eat popcorn on our couches and, you know, have those Fritos and Cheetos. And now that we kind of all realize, I think this is going to be more than a minute, uh, folks are really trying to figure out, well, how in the world can I, you know, regain some of what I've lost and then maintain where I'm at so that I don't lose ground uh, as I continue to age during this COVID-19 pandemic. So super excited to hear from you about some things that people can do at home uh, regarding yoga and and how that can contribute to healthy aging. I'm happy to share that because I too am a victim of circumstances here where I've had a great life and a great thrust into community activities and all that's been squelched, at least in an interpersonal way. And everyone else who's had to readjust their lives, uh, the first thing in a yoga practice is the idea of accepting what is. Uh, And that's hard. Right now, that's really hard. Because what is is getting kind of old. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What is 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 challenging and and just different than what was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for me, uh, I have a luxury of being at a nice home with a backyard and I can go and sit outside and move around. So just being able to move and breathe is another part of yoga practice. And if people are sedentary, it's easier to get lost in thoughts mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, it, it, become, it becomes a neurosis. Too. You just constantly focus on the bad and then you just, and then it just makes you feel worse. And, you know, I saw, I saw a meme the other day on social media. It made me laugh and it was, you know, all right, well, Let's just toss a turkey in the oven, throw candy out the door, open a few presents, and call it a year. And 
<laughs> and I thought, yeah, let's let's do that and get back to some sense of normalcy because I think we all at some base level are, are feeling that way. I mean, we want to do what's right to protect folks, but this is this this has been a challenge, and I think uh, it's been a time that's forced a lot of people who kind of use busyness as a way to kind of maybe cloud some in- introspection that we really all should be doing on a daily basis. And so now we're all sort of forced to um, kind of look within and, and find happiness within. And I think, you know, yoga can be a way to help people become more at peace with where we are, as you said, and, and not be so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes. And yoga is a mental as well as a physical and an emotional process. It's, uh, it's a life science. It's, it's not a cult. It could be part of a culture. Uh, in this case, it was an Eastern culture that has blended into our culture in America. Uh, and then it gets interpreted and personalized and defined and mystified and demonized uh, because it's not American in nature. Uh, so even the idea of, well, what is yoga? It, it could be deemed as just a self-awareness path that has a physical practice and because that brings up what's going on in the body. Uh, and our mind thinks that we're controlling our body. And, and I've come to find in my struggles that it's, my thoughts are mostly incorrect, <laughs> and I need validation. And the more I'm alone, yeah. the more likely they're going to be incorrect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for folks that are thinking too much, and, and there's plenty of that, what's correct anymore is also uh, a hope. You know, even the world normalcy. What is normal when things are supposed to be changing anyway? But they've changed it really dramatically, and it's not likely they're going to go back to what was. Right. So even clinging to what was is like driving with the brake on, mm-hmm. and we all do that. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I've just had to deal with things, and even life going on or declining. So that's another reality too that things are meant to decline, and that's painful. So, Howie, so if, I'll just pause on that. Yeah, if so, if you could just provide for those listening today, you just some sort of practical tips about what are some things that folks can do at home to practice yoga, um, you know, simple exercises, things that they can do that will actually promote that healthy aging we're talking about. Sure. First thing, let's just take the chair and realize that the chair where we spend a lot of time or the couch, let's go to the chair, is not designed for one's body. It's a utility, and we just take it and use it, and we adapt to the chair. So for most folks, I would surmise that their chair is too low, and the idea that they could sit with a cushion and raise their bum or their butt higher so that their hips are higher than their knees. Because if we were standing, our hips would be higher than our knees. And then when one could do that, you have the literal sitting up, as opposed to sitting back, sitting down, sitting in. Those are all collapsing. And by sitting up, one could breathe better. The 
the belly's not laying on your diaphragm and compromising the lungs. And in this era where we're indoors or trying to avoid other breathings, there's a lot of compromised breathing from sitting. So the idea of sitting up and finding a way to support one's back, I'm sitting in a chair now, and or on a chair, I should say, with a pillow behind my back, so I am positioned upward, and I have my shoes off, so my feet are a little lower than if I had shoes on. And by doing that and gaining some awareness of my back, I could make it like a little accordion and bring my shoulder blades together when I inhale and release it on the exhale. So it has that sense of movement of the spine and the organs and things like that. So that's the start. How are you doing with that for you, Nicole? Are you shifting your body at all? I am. Thank you very much. Feels quite lovely. Although I, I, I didn't have a, a cushion, so I had to put my purse underneath my bum. <laughs> but <laughs> the studio isn't yeah, quite as yeah, as, yeah. as uh, prepared for me to uh, to to make myself raise higher. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's great. And a um, couple of just quick ideas on sort of how we can prepare the mind. What are some things we should be thinking about to sort of clear our mind and sort of get off of that? I tell my kids, you know, when they're in a negative thought pattern, we need to get off the hamster wheel. What are some things that we can do to help ourselves? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, just the idea of taking a breath is a distraction. And if one could take a slow breath with a longer inhale, I'm, I'm sorry, a longer exhale, then that is a calming of the nervous system. If one uses the nose, which is designed for breathing, then that also sends signal to the nervous system to either charge up or settle down. So a long exhale is like a vent. And to do that slowly is releasing steam as opposed to over-breathing and sucking it up and working it too much. So taking a couple of breaths is the first step. And the idea that I don't have to empty my mind is reasonable to consider because we're not going to empty our mind. It's not like a a dump that you can push the button and it goes, <laughs> but that the idea that whatever is feeling is real, but it's not all there is. And so it's more than what it is and it, it will work out. It'll be temporary. And then to just ground back to a neutral is the first step. So in other words, uh, if I'm in a wheel of something's going to happen, worrying is like praying for something to go wrong. And getting back to the reality is what is now, you know, what is happening now? What is, what is as opposed to what doesn't exist yet? Well, those are some simple steps and some simple changes that I think we can all make that will have a, a great and positive impact on our lives. Howie Sharif, Executive Director of You Call This Yoga, thank you so much for joining us. Is youcallthisyoga.org the best place for folks to go to find more information? Absolutely. We have uh, free online classes, educational practices, and ways that people can engage our community and feel better. Excellent. That's tremendous. You call this yoga. 
www.thepeopleshow.org. Howie, thanks as always for joining us. We always appreciate it. My pleasure, Jason and Nicole. Thank you so much. Take care. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett who represents Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. You can find more online at transitionslifecare.org. And, Nicole, we're uh, switching gears here, and we're going to be talking now about when is it time to make a living change. And uh, this is always an important topic because a lot of times this is kind of sprung on us and uh, not something that we've generally prepared for, but we brought in an expert to help us find out more information on when it's time to make a decision like this. And uh, that expert is Paige Van Lenten. She is the Community Relations Director with Always Best Care. Paige, thank you so much for joining us this evening. You're so welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. So definitely a, a, a topic on people's minds, especially when they start noticing changes in their loved one's ability to function safely at home is, when is it time to make a living change? And I think a lot of times people come to the ultimate decision probably when they could have done it a bit sooner. Absolutely. That is definitely a trend that I see is that people are scared to make that final transition move. And the thing I want people to know is that nothing is final. You can make different transitional moves throughout. And there's, I, I have nine different signs that um, I will talk to different families about to see what level of move needs to happen. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, some some things sort of come to my mind working in the industry as the no-brainers of it's time to make a change. But what are some of the telltale signs that families really need to start coming together and opening up that conversation about, gee, is this really the best place for mom? And, and you know, moving doesn't necessarily mean not moving from one independent home to another. It may just mean you know, changing to a one-floor home or making some modifications, correct? Absolutely. It can be anything from staying at the family home and adding some supportive services, moving into an independent living or an over-55 apartment. Um, Then there's assisted living, memory cares, residential care homes. And then, you know, a lot is the the final move could be to a skilled nursing facility. So it doesn't have to go directly from the family home into a skilled nursing facility. So given that in mind, you know, what are some of the some of the signs for folks that are maybe more independent that it may be time to start making a move? I know for um, my husband's grandmother, one of the signs was, well, she had asked him to go upstairs and get something off of a dresser, a jewelry box that had been there probably for five years without actually ever being dusted, not to make fun of her her ability to clean her home, but literally she probably hadn't been upstairs in five years. So everything was exactly where she said it was, and you could tell it was like walking into a museum. 
Absolutely. Um, Probably she had the fear of the stairs, Mm -hmm. the fear of a fall. Those are two big things that a family can discuss with their loved one. Another one is, have they experienced feelings of isolation during the day or the night? Do they need that social inter- interaction? Um, that that fear of a fall and no one finding them is a huge um, indicator that it might be time for some type of of a move. Well, fear of a fall can be literally paralyzing, and almost the fear of the fall actually puts you at more risk to fall. I mean, I, I've seen scientific studies Absolutely. about that because you just, you're just, you just literally change the way you walk and the way you behave, and you become more sedentary, which then makes it when you do have to move more likely to actually fall. So that that is definitely a great one to bring up, Paige. And a lot of people actually don't bring that up, so I, I appreciate the fact that you did mention that for sure. I think another one is also, you know, unexplained bruising, right? Suddenly, you know, mom or dad has a lot of bruises, which may indicate that they are falling. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, because of the fear of the fall, another thing that um, our elderly community stops doing is is, um, hydrating. Because then every time they feel that they have a glass of water, I've got to get up to go to the restroom and that dehydration can also help with the bruising. So that is two different points to think of if you are starting to see additional bruising or color changes on their skin. I think another thing too, Paige, would be, you know, really looking around the home and is it not kept up the way it was? And I'm not talking about some little clutter here or there. Obviously, you know, mom can't get up on the step stool to dust the top of that other that cabinet that, you know, she loves. But really, you know, are there some major things that are just structurally not being kept up with the home? Or are there obviously signs that they're not going to the grocery store as often because some food is spoiled in the refrigerator or perhaps there just isn't food in the refrigerator? refrigerator, things of that nature. You are absolutely describing my grandmother from a few years ago. She was one of the cleanest ladies that I knew. And every time I would go, I would notice the dust bunnies were a lot bigger than they used to be and that the food in the refrigerator had spoiled. And um, there are absolute great programs that are out there because meal management is another one of those signs that it may be time are they able to get up and truly have breakfast lunch and dinner and have you know a snack throughout the day and um one of the the things is are they overwhelmed by the daily home maintenance responsibilities Mm -hmm. of living independently and one of the sad, sad things that 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 does happen in this world from time to time, we hear it, you know, here and there, and, and it probably happens more often than we care to even want to admit to ourselves, is that, you know, there are sometimes some businesses out there that exist that kind of go around and look for signs of an unkept home of yards that aren't being kept up or things of that nature. And you'll have people come and say, you know, hey, you know, it looks like your entire roof needs to be repaired and that person's not able to get on a ladder themselves anymore and look. So if you're if you're noticing that, you know, your loved ones suddenly spending money on things that they didn't typically spend money on and aren't really checking as carefully, that really could be a sign, too, that they're just getting overwhelmed with that home maintenance and don't want to lose their home because that's probably their biggest asset. So they're listening to the advice of some people that maybe can't be trusted. Uh, when you were describing that, I was thinking of scammers going through mm-hmm. the, the neighborhoods and, and coming online and that, you know, our um, elder community is the prime suspect or the, the, the prime the 
people that the scammers go for. Um, another indicator is if every time that you go to see mom or dad or grandma, they're wearing the same exact clothes. Mm -hmm. And maybe those clothes aren't as clean as they used to be. Um, or there is a, an odor that is um, an uncomfortable odor because they're just not able to help themselves getting dressed, bathing, using the bathroom. Medication management is one of the other biggest triggers. Ha are, are they getting, are you noticing that their um, prescriptions aren't um, run out by the end of the month? Are they taking their, their medication as they should be? I also think, too, Paige, you know, another thing that folks oftentimes um, run into is really when we're starting to have some of those issues with memory, right? So if mom, if mom is cooking, you know, is she leaving the stove on too long? You know, is she forgetting to even take her medications? Are we, are we starting to find that she's repeating herself? Or even sometimes wandering comes into play when a person goes outside and, and just sort of walks off and then doesn't know how to get back home. And so those are also, you know, some big, big warning signs that it's time to make a change. Uh, that, that is absolutely true. And, you know, another big um, obstacle that people feel is the, um, the cost involved in these moves. And it doesn't have to be a drastic cost increase. There are different levels of um, senior living. And, you know, talking to an expert and seeing what is out there and what are the true needs to keep it as inexpensive as possible for as long as possible, but for them to feel safe, to not be isolated, and to have their needs met. So let's just say we identify that it is time to make a living change. How do we know what is the appropriate next place? Talking to a trustworthy person, and that is, you know, that is very um, involved in the industry and knows what options are out there because for a lot of us um, when we're thinking about our parents or our grandparents we have the image of an old nursing home in our head mm, yep and cinder block walls all, everything white bad smell i mean these it, are the things that these are these are the myths that of, of, of places that um, we all picture and that is not what is out there especially you know living in north carolina we are on the cusp of some amazing senior living opportunities. And, you know, a 70-year-old can go into an independent living opportunity and thrive and find hobbies that they never had time to find in the past and friendship mm -hmm. and not being isolated. That fear of being isolated is such a big one. And you don't have to go from feeling like you need to take care of yourself 100% to the nursing home. There are so many steps in between. And, you know, going out, finding someone to tour with, and finding somebody that's trustworthy, that's not just trying to sell you a room, because there are different rooms and apartments and living opportunities for people to go thrive in. The other thing I think folks need to think about, too, is inaction creates 
a more drastic change down the road. So sometimes moving out of your home that you've lived in for 30 years to moving into an independent living community, perhaps, with some supportive services, will actually, in effect, keep you more independent longer. Because if you have that fall in your home and you break your hip and you end up in the hospital and then you end up in rehab, the odds of you being able to regain back to where you were at are really not that great. But had you moved a little bit earlier when you started noticing some of those telltale signs, and and let's just face it, we all know what's going on with ourselves, and we all have that internal gut check. We just don't want to face it, and we want to deny it oftentimes. But making that decision earlier on and then moving in a place where there's some more supports and it's more designed for, you know, an older adult's needs can, in effect, extend your ability to live independently longer. Exactly. Nicole, you just hit the nail on the head. And and then having friends already developed in, in the community that you're living in, you have more of a want to get better if you're in that rehab. I tell so many families that a fall change is everything. Um, a, a If you hit your head, you break a hip. Um, and if you are able to, to, to use those supportive services and to get good meals and hydration and you're taking your medicine properly, um, those are deal changers. And it gives you the opportunity to still stay independent longer, even though you may have made one of those changes earlier than you thought you would. She is Paige Linton, Paige Van Linton. She is the Community Relations Director with Always Best Care. Paige, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? 919-453-0887 or Paige, P-A-I-G-E, at nc-seniorservices.com. That number again, 919-453-0887. Paige, thanks again for joining us this evening. We really appreciate your time. I truly appreciate y'all calling, and I just um, am here to help in any way. Thank you so much. Well, before we head out this evening, I want to let everyone know that uh, Transitions Guiding Lights is still open and functioning. Again, you can find plenty of information about them. GuidingLightsNC.org is the website. That's the best way to get a hold of them. And I know that uh, things are a little bit odd right now with a lot of these care centers um, on lockdown or not letting guests in. But if you do need assistance, please navigate to guidinglightsnc.org. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680. WPTF News Talk Traffic. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.